Welcome to the Living Strategically Podcast, Episode 4. We are Reed and Elizabeth Hewitt, a husband and wife team that lives in South Texas. For our day jobs, we are communications consultants. That's what puts the bread and butter on our table. And we also run Living Strategically. Where we're all about helping you strategically pursue your God-given purpose and make the most of your time on Earth. We've been talking about the journey that we're on right now, traveling through 35 states over the course of two months in an RV. By the end of the trip, we will have seen 49 states in our lifetimes, with only Hawaii remaining. This has been a dream of both of us since we were kids. And we are big history buffs, so we've enjoyed seeing a lot of historical places along the way. We saw Plymouth Rock in Massachusetts. We saw the room where the Declaration of Independence was signed by our forefathers. And as we headed west across the country, it was fascinating to walk in the footsteps of the pioneers and homesteaders who risked their life and limb to settle new territory in the 1800s. We're calling this episode of Pioneers and Homesteaders because that aspect of the trip has really made an impression on us. And by the way, if you hear some mooing in the background of this recording, uh, those aren't sound effects that we added in because we're talking about homesteaders. We're at a campsite on federal land right now, which also has cattle grazing on it. Uh, And they are hanging out right outside our RV and they've been mooing all evening. So we'll see if they're quiet for the recording or not. But don't worry, no cows were harmed in the recording of this podcast. (laughs) Throughout the trip, we've been reading the Little House on the Prairie series, which is nine books. And we've also gotten to see two of the homesteads where the Ingalls family lived at different times in their journey. So right now we're in the middle of book seven of nine. If you've ever read the series, some of this may be recap, but for those of you who haven't, the family starts out in Wisconsin and they travel to Kansas. And being in Indian territory brings with it a lot of challenges. So they move back to Wisconsin and then They spend a year in Minnesota, and then finally the family lands in DeSmet, South Dakota. And on our journey over the past several weeks, we actually got to see a replica of the family's cabin in Kansas. On the actual property that they lived on. Yeah, and that was just so neat to be reading the Little House on the Prairie book, which is book two of the series, and actually seeing the territory and how small the cabin was. That was incredible and very eye-opening to how content this family was in such a small dwelling. And then when we went through South Dakota, we actually stayed in DeSmet on the original homestead that the Ingalls had. It's 160 acres, one mile out of DeSmet, South Dakota. So this has been a really powerful part of the trip, and we wanted to share some of the lessons that we've been learning on contentment and simple living. That's right. You know, reading these books, sometimes we're just blown away by how little that they had to make do with, and yet how much abundance sometimes they felt like they had with something that to us in our our modern world with our modern perspectives seems like barely anything at all. They knew how to live off the land. They knew how to make do uh, with any little thing and to fix anything because 
They didn't have the money to go buy it. And sometimes the next town or the next store was so far away, they literally could not go get something that they needed from the store. They had harsh weather. There's a part of the story where they talk about how their crops failed because of a plague of grasshoppers. Uh, multiple times, Laura, who's writing these books about her family, talks about the Christmases and how simple they were. Um, so many of the Christmases, if they got Christmas candy, that was their only gift, and yet they were absolutely thrilled, and it just totally made the Christmas for them because they got Christmas candy. That contentment that they had was really something you could consider as a strategic mindset. You know, we're, we're always looking at the strategic angle. Their contentment enabled them to accomplish things that would have been impossible without that contentment. And at the same time, God always provided for them and supplied their needs, and they were content with what God supplied. They never saw their lack, how we may have seen from our perspective of our culture now. They saw that their needs were met. Um, in the book Little Town on the Prairie, which is book seven, that's the one we're in the middle of right now, Laura is 14 years old and she gets a job in town sewing and she makes a quarter a day and she is bringing home the money once a week and gives it to her mom and she's trying to help her older sister, Mary, who's blind, be able to go off to school at a school for the blind. And this part is so touching. Her mom says that she should really keep some of the money for herself because she's earning it. And Laura asks, why ma, what for? I don't need anything. And she reflects, her shoes were still good. She had stockings and underwear and her calico dress was almost new. All the week she looked forward to the pleasure of bringing home her wages to ma. In that situation, Laura's contentment with things that were so basic and so simple is what enabled her to do something that we can look at and say, wow, that's really extraordinary for a teenager to be making that sacrifice and working for that higher goal. And for Laura, what she gained out of it was the pleasure of doing what is right. In 1 Timothy 6, 6 through 8, it says, but godliness actually is a means of great gain when accompanied by contentment. For we have brought nothing into the world, so we, can, so we cannot take anything out of it either. If we have food and covering, with these we shall be content. So there is a great gain to be had through contentment, not because we get more stuff, but we get more joy out of what we have. And I think you can't emphasize enough how powerful it is to have joy and motivation in your life. You can accomplish things out of joy and motivation that would be impossible if you were depressed and demotivated. And it's not because of a difference in resources or abilities or time or anything else. It's only a matter of the difference in attitude and contentment can completely turn a situation around. God doesn't want us to be stuck in our circumstances, but when we don't have contentment, a lot of times that's how we feel. Yeah, it can be like survival mode all the time. And 
where we want to get to is where we're thriving instead of surviving. And, you know, I think some people have sort of a in-between where they're just coasting. They made it out of survival mode, but they haven't gotten to thriving yet. You know, the thing is, sometimes survival mode is a season of life. It's something that you're getting through. But if you feel like you're stuck in permanent survival mode and you're not making any progress towards the other side of that, then that may be a time to do a self-evaluation and see if it really comes down to a matter of perception and attitude and contentment with what you have to work with rather than a case of truly not being able to make progress. So the other lesson that's really touched our heart from this series is how simple the Ingalls family lived. They were pioneers in a new land and they had a very fragile existence compared to our culture now. They lived in poverty and it was very back to the basics kind of living. And we've reflected on that as we've journeyed on this trip. When we started, we knew taking away the familiar of our circumstances and leaving our home and taking away that familiar, we would take things down to the core. And we were praying that the Lord would show us whatever he wanted to show us as we journeyed over eight weeks living in an RV, what is a pretty basic dwelling by typical American standards. And we've compared our life on the road to the Ingalls family and just reflected on if we have shelter and clothing and food with this, we should be content. And we have so much more than just those things. The Bible in Philippians 4, 11 through 13 says, Not that I speak from want, for I have learned to be content in whatever circumstances I am. I know how to get along with humble means, and I also know how to live in prosperity. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of being filled and going hungry, both of having abundance and suffering need. I can do all things through Him who strengthens me. That verse speaks really powerfully to us. What I get out of it is that contentment and living strategically is not about the less you have, the holier you are. And it's not about the more you have, the more successful you are. It's about looking around at your current circumstance and saying, how can I use this best to accomplish the mission? And that speaks to the attitude of the heart. You know, when the, the settlers were going out to stake their claim on a homestead, uh, they had a very simple life. In a way, it was forced on them because they could only take what would fit in a covered wagon, which we've joked and sometimes we feel like we're living in a covered wagon in the RV, even though we know that we have it so much better in an RV than a covered wagon. We're not trying to say we're at that same level of uh, pioneer spirit, but they had all their worldly goods in this one wagon. And when we saw places along the Oregon Trail, there were stories of the sides of the trail being littered with furniture and uh, cast iron stoves and all these things that people thought they needed with them, but it turns out they only weighed them down. It tired out the horses, made the wagon sink in the mud. Um, so what they thought would be valuable turned out to be a burden and a non-essential as they went down the trail. So that gets back to what we're talking about with a simple lifestyle. When you let go of things that 
are weighing you down in some way, tying up your time, your resources, and distracting you, then it keeps you from getting where you need to be. I think where we talked earlier about survival mode, coasting mode, or thriving mode, a lot of people who are in that coasting mode, they're not getting to thrive because they are weighed down with a lot of non-essentials. But they've reached the level where they're comfortable enough that you know, they don't feel like they have to really make sacrifices to keep going. They're kind of happy where they are, but maybe they shouldn't be. Maybe they should be thinking, what will my report card in heaven look like rather than how comfortable am I right now? Those pioneers who had to leave their cast iron stove beside the trail, would they have liked to have that at their destination? Sure. Would it have helped them and been a benefit to them at their destination? It would have. Would they have gotten to their destination if they held on to it? No, they wouldn't have. And that's why they had to make that very hard choice. And something that we've been reflecting on is that in our culture today, we have so many opportunities to make decisions like that, but that are so much less painful, that are very simple things that we can change our priorities, let go of something, and gain ground when it comes to advancing the kingdom and following God's call in our lives. We don't have to sacrifice something that's essential to our survival. You know, how about sacrificing cable TV or Netflix or something like that and taking not only that monthly payment, but that daily time and investing it in something that's more fruitful. And it has to do with the attitude of your heart. It depends on what the Lord lays on you. Your circumstance may be something besides cable. But the main point is that you have to put everything in God's hands and let him direct you to reach that point where you are thriving in life. And when we say thriving, we're not talking in the way that the world may look at being successful. We're talking about thriving as in, can you say that you are truly uh, running the race with endurance, that you are fighting the good fight, like Paul says, uh, that you are giving it your all to pursue the calling that God has put on your life. And that's how we define thriving. And we've found that an attitude of contentment and simple living enabled you to do more with what you have. Exactly. They multiply the effectiveness of your circumstances. And that's really what we're talking about when we call something part of a strategic mindset. And if the pioneers and settlers who lived in such difficult circumstances could not only survive, but ultimately thrive in their circumstances, how much more so with all the blessings and advantages we have today, should we be able to take what we have and accomplish something for the glory of God? So we hope this has given you some good food for thought. And if you haven't read the Little House series, we highly recommend it. We look forward to finishing the last few books. And we know we're going to just keep reflecting on all the things that God's showing us through this series and on the topic that we covered today. Well, that does it for this episode. If you would like to get in touch, visit us online at livingstrategically.com. And you can also email podcast at livingstrategically.com. And if you received value from this episode, would you take a moment and give us a rating on iTunes? It only takes a second, and that really helps more people discover the podcast. All right, y'all. Until next time. Keep living strategically.